Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. I am so glad you're here. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and we are going to be tackling a topic that I have received a number of questions about over the past couple of months, and it seemed like the right time because there's always buzz about different diet trends, and it's tough to know, like, oh, is this something that I should pay attention to? Is this is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? Am I doing the right thing? And we can kind of second guess ourselves. And the first thing that I want to say And really, the most important message is you need to pay attention to your body. Your body is going to let you know if what you're doing is working or if it's not. And this is not just about results, and it's not even just about feeling well. But of course, getting the results you're after and feeling your best, having energy, not being hungry all the time, not having cravings all the time, not having really unstable moods and wild fluctuations in your mood. All of those things are very, very important. But another thing in terms of does this work for me is can I see myself doing this indefinitely? Do I enjoy the foods that I am eating? Because if we can't do it indefinitely, then we won't and we won't maintain our results. And if we're not enjoying the food that we're eating, more often than not, we're setting ourselves up to overindulge later. With that said, I have been getting a number of questions about Diets based on acidity and alkalinity. Have you heard of those? I mean, they, they're all over the place and, and they sort of ebb and flow with trends and there's been books written about them. The basic premise is this. We can eat foods that create an acidic environment in the body. And if we do, that throws off the delicate pH balance of our blood and leads to serious health problems. So the premise of these diets is to avoid eating foods that have acidic byproducts. And I want to kind of go through all of this today. What foods create an acidic environment in the body? What foods create a more basic or alkaline environment in the body? Is there merit to the theories behind these kinds of diets? What is true? What is not true? And what we should do about it? Before we dive into the claims made by advocates of this way of eating, let's get clear on these basic terms, pH, acidity, alkalinity. pH is a scale used to determine, kind of a spectrum, used to determine if a solution, and in this case, in in what we're talking about here, your blood or your urine, is acidic or alkaline. And you probably played around with this in in middle school, acids and bases. So seven is the middle of the scale, and it represents neutral, not acidic, not alkaline. Another word for alkaline is going to be basic. I might use those interchangeably. So seven is right in the middle. Lower numbers, less than seven towards zero, 
are going to be more acidic. Higher numbers, greater than 7 up to 14, are going to be increasingly alkaline or basic. Here's what is true. Our blood must maintain a very specific pH. It cannot deviate from that very specific pH just slightly over 7, around 7.4, or, well, I mean, really, if it doesn't maintain that narrow range, we'll die. That is true. The pH of our blood is very important, and your body tightly controls this. If the pH of your blood drops, this is known as metabolic acidosis. This can be acute or short-term, right? And, in, and when you have short-term drops, it, it's still not good, but you're going to experience things like muscle loss or reduced thyroid function, glucose intolerance, meaning that the, the sugar in your blood can't get into your cells to fuel you. And those are all bad. Those are bad things. But if the drop is long-term, your body is not able to regulate and you are in chronic acidosis, you die, basically. So we have established that the pH is very important. Now, we need to look at whether or not it is true that the food we eat influences the pH of our blood. We're talking about blood here, all right? And I'll get into the difference between blood pH and urine pH, but advocates of these alkaline diets basically argue that the food we eat does, in fact, influence the pH of our blood, and they suggest testing the pH of your urine as an indication of whether or not your blood pH is where it needs to be. But they're not suggesting you test your blood pH, they're suggesting you test the pH of your urine, okay? Now, there are certain foods, this is true, there are certain foods that leave behind acidic byproducts. This is true, right? We have not yet get, got into whether or not they influence your blood, but we'll get there. So these foods that do leave behind acidic byproducts are dairy, legumes, right, like beans, grains, meat, and fish. What is not quite so true, or really true at all, is that our bodies can't handle these acidic metabolic byproducts. And I'm going to explain how this works and what really happens inside the body. So, of course, the flip side of this is that proponents of eating this way encourage you to eat more alkaline foods, like fruits and vegetables, because they're more basic. They're not going to leave behind these acidic byproducts. And I am going to indulge my inner science geek, which you guys know is one of my favorite things to do, and share really quick what it is that makes foods either acidic or alkaline. So when we're talking about foods that leave behind these acidic byproducts, they are the components of these foods. We already said that the foods themselves are dairy and legumes and meat and fish and grains. But within those foods, the things that cause these metabolic byproducts or these acidic metabolic byproducts to be left behind are going to be things like proteins, phosphates, and sulfur, okay? Then when we talk about what it is that makes fruits and vegetables more alkaline, it's their mineral content, specifically calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Those things make things more alkaline or basic, right? And some foods, of course, are neutral. Foods that don't contain protein or sulfur or phosphates or those minerals we just talked about, calcium and magnesium and potassium, those are going to be neutral. So sugar, pure sugar, is neutral. 
pure fat is also neutral. Now, here's what is also true. Food does influence the pH of your urine, okay? If you are a healthy individual with functioning kidneys, food, the food we eat, whether it's alkaline or acidic, does influence the pH of your urine. But unlike people who advocate this way of eating, we need to really understand that there is a difference between having something influence the pH of your urine and having it influence the pH of your blood. Acidic foods, foods that leave behind these acidic metabolic byproducts, make your urine more acidic. So when people test their urine after, say, dairy or beans or protein, they are going to see that their urine is more acidic, okay? Alkaline foods, you're going to see those more basic byproducts in your urine. Your urine will be more alkaline. So for individuals with properly functioning kidneys, it doesn't change the pH of your blood. In fact, just the fact that when you eat acidic foods, your urine pH reflects that excess acid, that's how we know the kidneys are doing their job and excreting the acidic byproducts so that they don't influence the blood. So this very thing that people are measuring and going, oh yeah, I had a steak and now my urine is more acidic, Great, fantastic. That proves that your body is doing exactly what it needs to do and you're excreting the excess acid so that it doesn't influence the pH of your blood. People who try out this kind of diet and invest in these um, urine pH testing strips, they like it because it's visual, right? We kind of can go, oh yeah, that did what they said it was gonna do. I had bacon and eggs for breakfast and now my, my urine pH is more acidic. And now I'll have a salad and I'll watch it become more basic, more alkaline. Yeah, that is real. It just doesn't mean what people say that it means. It doesn't mean that your blood is also more acidic or more basic. It just means that your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Your body is amazing at regulating the pH of your blood. If it wasn't, you'd be dead. If it wasn't amazing at regulating the pH of your blood, everybody who isn't a purist vegan, and really further than that because legumes are, are vegan and yet acidic, anybody who ate anything other than fruits and vegetables would be dead. So that is proof that the body is doing what it needs to do. I eat meat, I'm here. So our body is very, very good at regulating the pH of our blood. Your body, if you are healthy and you have functioning kidneys, will excrete excess acid, period, okay? Now the other thing, there are, there are some other claims made by advocates of these alkaline diets, and I want to address all of them. I don't just want to say, oh yeah, see, it just influences your urine and not your blood, so boom, you're, you're wrong. There are other things that they that they advocate, and I want to explain what's really going on here. So the other thing that gets talked about a lot with these alkaline diets is bone health. And the theory that they toss about is this. Your body has to work really hard to maintain your blood pH, and in order to keep your blood from being overly acidic, your body is going to leach minerals from your bones to create a more alkaline environment. Remember, we talked about the fact that the components of fruits and vegetables that make them more alkaline is their minerals, the calcium, um, the phosphorus, the potassium, things like that. So the argument is that your body, to maintain a neutral pH, will steal these minerals from your bones to create a more alkaline environment when you eat a lot of acidic foods. 
So the theory is the more acidic foods you eat, protein, beans, fish, grains, the higher your risk for bone loss, osteoporosis, things like that. Now, does your body have the ability to basically steal minerals from your bones for other purposes? Yes, absolutely. But is that how your body regulates the pH of your blood? Nope, it is not. You know the number one way that your body manages the pH of your blood? Breathing. Yep. So do you have that one down? Good. You're good. Now, this is going to be another science geek moment for me. When the body breaks down a food that creates these acidic byproducts, like protein, like a steak or whatever, these acidic byproducts are immediately neutralized by bicarbonate ions. Hang with me. I'm gonna, this is, you're going to get this, I promise. So you eat a steak. Right? It creates these, these acidic metabolic byproducts as it's digested. They are immediately buffered or neutralized by bicarbonate ions, right? And this process, this neutralization process that happens with bicarbonate ions, creates carbon dioxide. Pop quiz time. When we exhale, what are we expelling from our body? You got it, carbon dioxide. So if you are breathing, kudos, great job, you're awesome. This is one of the primary ways that your body manages the pH of your blood. So don't stop, this is important. Now, if this was true, if the primary or even one of the more significant ways of neutralizing these acid-forming foods was bone demineralization, wouldn't that be all over the medical literature and osteoporosis studies? And It's not. Clinical trials do not support the theory that bone demineralization is, is what happens with protein-containing diets or high-grain diets or high-legume diets. It's just not true because your body has many other means of neutralizing these acidic metabolic byproducts. And I'll go a step further to say that there is, in fact, a very large body of medical literature that shows that higher-protein diets actually improve calcium absorption into the bones. So there's that. Now there's another claim made by uh, advocates of these alkaline diets and it's related to cancer. So what they argue is that cancer can only grow in an acidic environment. So if you completely avoid these foods that leave behind these acidic metabolic byproducts, proteins and dairy and grain and legumes, that you can basically, they, many of them will argue that you can cure cancer and certainly at least avoid cancer. For this to be true, it must also be true that the food we eat influences the pH of our blood. And we've already established that this doesn't happen that way in healthy individuals or we would all be sick and dead. Your body naturally keeps your pH right around 7.4, slightly more alkaline than neutral. Now that 7.4 number, that is the ideal. And again, it is slightly alkaline. It is not a slightly acidic environment. It's only the numbers below seven that are acidic. And when cancer studies are done, they recreate, like when they're like growing cancer cells in, in cultures to kind of mimic what happens in humans, they do it at the normal human pH, 7.4. Slightly alkaline, not acidic, not acidic. So these arguments that cancer can only grow in an acidic environment the human body in general is basic, and when these studies are done to see how cancer acts in the human body, they mimic the pH of the human body, which is actually slightly basic. 
Now here's, there is a grain of truth here, okay? But we have to really pay attention to this. There's always an element of truth. Once cancer begins to grow, after it has originated, it creates its, its own little environment, an environment inside an environment, right? It creates a world onto its own within your body. And that environment is acidic. The cancer creates an acidic environment. But the pH of the cancer does not mimic the pH of the blood and the overall body, okay? Because the cancer is creating its own little world. The cancer might be acidic while your blood is still neutral or slightly alkaline. So very simply, part of this is true, but we twist it. Acidity does not cause cancer. Cancer creates acidity. And this goes to how we twist science. We take something that is slightly true and then we sort of twist it, right? It's like saying, well, since most people with osteoporosis have gray hair, then gray hair must cause osteoporosis or osteoporosis must cause gray hair. We can't just see two linked things and assume that there is a causal relationship. Sometimes there is. Usually there's more to the story. So I am a huge fan of doing what works for you. And people will say, well, I adopted this alkaline diet and I started to feel much better. Well, I mean, honestly, yeah, add more vegetables to your diet. You probably will. You're giving yourself critical vitamins and minerals that your body needs. And most people are not getting enough of these essential vitamins and minerals. So I'm all for eating more real food. And here's the other thing. Remember that these acid-forming foods also include legumes and grains. And we've talked about this at length on the show before, but legumes and grains contain many things that create health challenges. They are pro-inflammatory. They create inflammation in the body, and they block a lot of nutrient um, absorption. So when you eliminate things that are blocking critical nutrient absorption, creating inflammation in the body, and then you emphasize things that are giving you more of the nutrients you need, yeah, you're going to feel better. So you can kind of find a middle ground here and look at with these acid-forming foods, that includes some things that really do trigger a lot of health challenges for people, like dairy is a, is a trigger for a lot of people, and grains absolutely are, and legumes absolutely are. So if we, if we minimize those and we maximize fresh whole food fruits and vegetables, right, and we stay moderate like we should in all things with protein, right, animal proteins and things like that, I think that's the best thing here. But we cannot just say, oh my gosh, I read this thing that said that, you know, eating protein is going to create this acidic environment and cancer only grows in an acidic environment. So if I want to, you know, reduce my risk of cancer, I can never have another piece of meat. Listen, it's just not telling you the whole story. So, and I don't expect anybody out there to do all this research. Like if we researched everything we read about, then we would do nothing else. All I'm saying is don't be a bandwagon diet hopper like, oh, I read that such and such is bad, so I better not eat it again. Make sure that if you are going to give it any attention at all, if you don't just write it off and say I'm doing what's best for my body, which is kind of my thing, like my body lets me know what works and what doesn't, but be, be at least critical. Realize that there are probably elements of this that are true, and there are probably elements of this that are really not true. And that's why I do this show, to help you 
really be able to navigate through what's real, what's not so real. What is real is that these foods do create acidic byproducts. It is true that the pH of our blood is very tightly regulated. It is true that if you eat acidic foods, you will have more acids present in your urine. What is not true is that food influences the pH of our blood. It just doesn't. If it did, we would all be very sick or dead, right? Now, this assumes that you are a healthy individual with functioning kidneys, right? We're not obviously talking about disease states here, but the reality is some things are kind of true and some things just aren't. And at the end of the day, we want to really pay attention to what makes us feel amazing. And we really want to minimize processed foods and things that are triggers for inflammation in the body or for blocking nutrient absorption. So I'm all about minimizing the grains and the legumes because they are anti-nutritive, right? And for some people, in fact, I'd say many people, dairy is also one that should be avoided. But we shouldn't just take an entire multiple classes of food and say, nope, not going to work because somebody once said that this is going to throw off my blood pH. It's not. When you see the increase in the acidity of your urine, that is proof that your body is working as intended. All right, so let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Started the day uh, with coffee like I normally do, and then I had a bunch of nuts in my car, and as I drove to the gym, I, I ate a lot of nuts. Not gonna lie, I ate more nuts than I should have. This is why it's, nuts are a trigger for me, man. They totally are. Um, and I just, I ate a lot of almonds and cashews on the way to the gym. But then I had a really great workout. Um, after my workout, I had a mixed green salad with some turkey breast on it and um, that also had half of a hard-boiled egg and some tomatoes and peppers and things like that. Uh, my dressing was really, really simple, just um, olive oil and a little bit of um, vinegar. And then dinner was ground turkey with kind of like, I don't know what you guys call this, um, I, I, the only word that comes to mind is like chop suey. <laughs> that was what we called it growing up. So it was like ground turkey with tomatoes and onions, kind of like a, like a marinara sauce without tomato sauce, just raw tomatoes over cauliflower rice. And that was really delicious and very, very filling. And then I'm on a big mint tea kick lately. So I drank a lot of mint tea last night. Um, so anyway, that's what I ate yesterday. As I've said the last couple of times, my workouts, I am including my weekly workouts in the weekly Primal Potential VIP email list that goes out. Those emails go out every Sunday morning. So if you're not on that list, get on it and you can see my workouts as well as other random things that I like to share. But you know, if you guys have questions, if you want me to clarify things, if you've heard something and you're not sure it's true, you know what to do. Get on that VIP list, respond to any of the emails. It goes direct to my inbox and let me help because that is why I'm here. We'll talk to you guys soon. I hope you have an excellent day.